Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, I'm going to wrap up this first phase of the series that we've been in on the favor of God. It goes without saying that as we were coming into 2020, as I was praying about the word that the Lord would want us to hear in 2020 is that the Lord wants to extend his favor to his children in a way in which he never has before. And so that's what we've been talking about since the first of the year is the favor of the Lord, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Now, as a believer, every year should be a year of the Lord's favor. But I believe that 2020 is an unprecedented time of the favor of God on our lives. There's a passage of scripture here in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, as we continue today to talk about the power of God's favor in our lives. And this Psalm says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Let me ask you this, who bestows favor and honor? The Lord bestows favor and honor. That's something that we've got to remember is that favor comes from the Lord. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from them whose walk is blameless. Now last week, we looked at the power of God's favor in the life of a man by the name of Joseph. And the Lord bestowed favor and honor on Joseph's life because Joseph's walk with the Lord was blameless. That doesn't mean that Joseph was perfect, just like it doesn't mean that any of us here this morning are perfect. It just means that Joseph did with the very best of his ability, he did his best to hear from God and to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Now, at this point, we've defined favor as that that God does for us that we cannot do for ourselves. We've talked about how that favor is the tangible evidence of the presence of God in our lives. You can look at somebody, and just by looking at them and observing their life, you can tell that the favor of God is on them. And then last week, we added another dimension to the favor of God. We said that the, day, the favor of God is the endorsement of God. And God, I believe, wants to endorse every single one of his children. He wants to put his stamp of approval upon each and every one of us. I shared the little illustration last week how that when Oprah Winfrey had her talk show, People would clamor, authors would clamor to want to get on her show so that they could promote their book, that they could get on Oprah's book list. Because if you could get Oprah's endorsement on your book, what had sold about 500 copies up until that time, overnight after getting her endorsement would sell millions of copies. We see that David was just a shepherd on the backside of nowhere tending his father's sheep until he got the endorsement of God. And then the women began to sing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. It's like David went from a nobody to somebody overnight. It's like he went from the background to the foreground overnight because when God endorses you, things change suddenly in your life. 
And so we talked about Joseph last week and how that happened in the life of Joseph. Today I want to talk to you about Daniel and how that God also bestowed favor and honor on the life of this guy by the name of Daniel. As a matter of fact, it's, it's odd how similar the lives and the paths of these two men, Daniel and Joseph, are so similar as you're going to see this morning as we talk about Daniel and the favor of God upon Daniel's life. Now, when we start out in Daniel chapter one, things don't start out so well, just like it was with Joseph's life. Joseph, as you know, was sold by his brothers to Midianite merchants as a slave, and he was taken away from everything that he had ever known and everyone that he had ever known. And he was taken out of Jerusalem and taken into Egypt, out of Canaan and into Egypt, Egypt being a type and a, and a picture of the world. But even in Egypt, God's favor was upon Joseph and he prospered and he was successful until he eventually became the second in command over all of Egypt. Well, Daniel's life starts off pretty much the same. Daniel chapter one, a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar who is the king of Babylon. He goes into Jerusalem and he besieges Jerusalem and he takes many of the inhabitants of Jerusalem captive back into Babylon. Again, Babylon would be a picture of the world, a, a, a picture of, of, of paganism, a, a picture of people who worship false gods and live outside of the will of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he besieges Jerusalem and destroys the temple of God and takes captive many of the people and the inhabitants of that city. And he especially focused on young men from the royal family. And among those young men from the royal family were Daniel and three other guys that we know best by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were chosen, first of all, because of their physical appearance. They didn't have any defects. They didn't have any handicaps. They were very handsome as far as the eye could see. And so because of their physical appearance, they were chosen. They were also chosen because of their mental sharpness. They were very smart young men. And then they were also chosen because of their social skills that they had. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought into the king's palace. And once they were brought into the king's palace, they were presented food that had been sacrificed and had been devoted to idols. But the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. How many of you know that you can still do the will of God in a land where nobody else is doing the will of God? That you can still be obedient to God in a land where people are disobedient to God. That's no excuse. Being in Egypt or being in Babylon is no excuse for doing your own thing and doing what displeases God. The reason that God was able to favor Joseph and Daniel is because they continued to do what was right even in unpleasant circumstances. 
And so he defiled, or he, 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 he had resolved in his heart not to defile himself because to eat food that had been devoted to idols was to give honor to those idols. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not about to do that. But then go to the very next verse, and it says that God had caused. Who is it? that gives favor, it is God who gives favor. And it said that God had caused the official to show favor. Everybody say favor. favor. God showed or God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. God caused the official to favor Daniel. And Daniel comes up with another diet plan for he and his friends. And the official gets the approval of the king. And the Bible says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego appeared more healthy than any of the others who presented themselves before the king. But these four young men, they were special young men. Look at what the Bible says about them in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. It said that these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. As a matter of fact, when we get to verse 20 of chapter 1, here's what we discover. We discover that when Nebuchadnezzar would bring all of his wise men and diviners and sorcerers before him, wanting to get their knowledge, their counsel, their wisdom, that the Bible says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that their wisdom, their knowledge, their advice was 10 times greater than the advice from all of the others that would try to advise the king. That's favor right there. When you're 10 times smarter and you're 10 times wiser than anybody else in the kingdom, that's the favor of God. And then it says that Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Now you need to hear what I'm going to tell you right now and that is this. In order for God to get you where you are to where God wants to take you, you will never get there without the favor of God. And sometimes, let me tell you what the favor of God looks like. The favor of God looks like God giving you everything you need to succeed for such a time as this. You see, God had a specific purpose for Daniel. And so God made sure that Daniel was equipped with everything he needed to be successful at what God had called him to do. And he knew that Daniel was going to have an opportunity to go before the king to interpret dreams. And so God gave him the ability to do that. He could understand visions and dreams of all Kinds. That's the kind of God we serve, Summerton Church of God. That when God calls you, God will equip you. God will give you everything that you need, every resource that you need. God is going to give it to you so that you can get from where you are to where it is that God wants to take you. And once you get there, you're going to realize if it had not been for the favor and if it had not been for the grace of God, I would have never gotten to where I am today. Amen. How many of you know this morning? Listen to me. How many of you know this morning that you wouldn't be where you are today if it were not for the favor of God? You wouldn't be where you are today if it had not been God's grace that got you to where you are. Well, we go to Daniel chapter 2. And in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. 
And so he calls his astrologers, his diviners, his sorcerers in, and, and he says to them, because it's one of those kinds of dreams, you know, that not only did he want the interpretation, but he couldn't even remember the details of the dream. You ever woke up before and you're like, man, I dreamt something last night, and I'm troubled in my spirit as a result of that, but I can't remember what the dream was? And that's, that's the way that Nebuchadnezzar was. But he, he wasn't just wanting an interpretation of the dream. He wanted them to tell them what his dream was. And so his magicians, wise men, all those guys, they said, King, there's nobody on the face of the earth who can do that. You tell us what your dream is, and then we can help with the interpretation of the dream. Well, that upset the king so much that he said, I want every one of the wise men killed. That would have included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so when Daniel gets word of it, Daniel goes to his friends and he says, guys, we got to start praying. Well, we, we got to start praying because I believe that God can give me the dream and he can give me the interpretation to that dream. And you know, they began to pray and God did just that. God gave him the dream as well as the interpretation of the dream. And he asked to come before Nebuchadnezzar. And when he did, here's what he said to Nebuchadnezzar. He said, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he's asked about. But look at what he says next. But there is a God in heaven. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful today that there is a God in heaven? He said that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And so Daniel goes and tells him what the dream was and tells him the interpretation to the dream, which pretty much sums up by saying that God was letting Nebuchadnezzar know that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But God is establishing a kingdom and God is building a kingdom that will endure throughout all times, that nobody will ever be able to destroy the kingdom of God and then notice what it says in verse 48 that the king was so pleased with the interpretation and 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 what Daniel presented to him that the king placed Daniel in a high position now get this this kid is young just like Joseph was when he first went to Egypt God has given him great knowledge and great wisdom he's not back in Jerusalem where the presence of God dwells he's in Babylon and even in Babylon God promotes him even in Babylon God's favor is upon him it says that he placed Daniel in a high position he lavished many gifts on him and he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all his wise men look at your neighbor and say that's favor that's favor when you go from being a captive, a prisoner, a slave, to being in charge of the whole kingdom, only God can do something like that, Summerton Church of God. Some of you are wondering, can God really take me where he has shown me that he wants me to go? I'm telling you, God can get you there. God can get you through every obstacle, through all the resistance. I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to tell somebody this morning, stop getting people to try to like you. Stop, stop trying to get people to get on board with you. Because when the favor of God is on your life, you don't need those people anyway. 
When the favor of God is on your life, God has already got people lined up. They might not even like you, but they still are going to have to help you get to where God wants to take you. Amen. So we, we go to chapter 4 in Daniel. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this quickly this morning. But in Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. He doesn't know the interpretation of it. He knows Daniel has the ability. So he calls Daniel. Daniel comes and stands before him. And here's what the king said to Daniel. He said, I called for you because I know in you dwells the spirit of almighty God. Because you see, when the favor of God is on your life, there's tangible evidence of the presence of God. And he could tell that there was something different about Daniel. Daniel went ahead and interpreted his dream. But, but, but eventually, Nebuchadnezzar dies. And one of his ancestors becomes the next king. Now, the Bible says that it was his son. But ancestors were referred to as sons in Scripture. So when we go to Daniel chapter 5, we find now that Nebuchadnezzar is no longer king, but his ancestor, a guy by the name of Belshazzar, becomes the king over Babylon. And, and Belshazzar throws a banquet, and here's what he does, because when Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem to besiege it, let me tell you what he did. He went into the temple, he went into the house of God, and he got some of the sacred objects of worship of articles of gold and silver, and he took those articles out of the temple of God and brought it back and put it into the temple of his false gods. And so now that Belshazzar is king and he has a banquet, here's what he tells them. He says, I want you to go and I want you to get some of those articles that were taken out of the temple of God and bring them back and we're going to use them for the banquet. But what he didn't know is you didn't take something that was sacred and something that was holy and that God had a specific purpose and use for and use it for something other than that. And so now he's going to pay for that because he gets a vision of handwriting on the wall. But he can't interpret the handwriting. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? The handwriting is on the wall. Well, that's what it meant to Belshazzar. He couldn't interpret it. And so he calls Daniel. Now understand there's been a change in regime. From Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 5, 66 years have passed. And so Daniel may not be in the kingdom what he was at one time in the kingdom. And so he calls for Daniel because nobody else is able to interpret the handwriting on the wall. And Daniel comes before him and he's able to interpret the handwriting on the wall. But get this, it's not good news for the king. And you didn't give bad news to the king because if you gave bad news to the king, it meant certain death. But Daniel was a man of God. And Daniel was a man of courage. And Daniel was going to deliver the truth whether he survived it or not. And he let Belteshazzar know that because you desecrated the things of God, you're going to die. But for some reason, Belshazzar liked David or liked, liked Daniel. And, and notice what it says that after Daniel had interpreted the handwriting on the wall, then at Belshazzar's command, David was clothed in purple. A gold chain. I told you, the favor of God comes with bling. I told you that every week. Comes with bling. Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck. And look at this. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So he found favor with Nebuchadnezzar. He finds favor with Belshazzar. 
Not long after this, Cyrus, the king of Persia, and Darius of the Medes, they come together and form one nation. And together they go into Babylon and to the Babylon what Babylon did to Jerusalem. They besiege it. They overtake it. And the first thing that Cyrus, the king of Persia, does because now he's in control of the whole kingdom of the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians. And the first thing that he does as the leader over that entire kingdom is he makes Darius the king over Babylon. And then here's what Darius does. Darius separates the kingdom into 120 different provinces and he puts leaders over all of those 120. And then over all of those 120, he has three guys that he puts over the 120. And Daniel is one of those. But Darius liked Daniel so much. Look at what verse 3 says in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is now about 80 years old. And notice it says that Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Look at your neighbor again and say, that's favor. In other words, he's not going to just be one of three. He's going to be the head honcho. Over the whole kingdom. Well, you can imagine the other administrators and satraps didn't like that one bit. And so they begin to try to destroy Daniel. But, 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 but look at what the scripture says. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Let me ask you this. If somebody went over your character with a fine-tooth comb, would they be able to find anything? Because these guys could not find anything wrong with Daniel. Don't you know that's frustrating? When you hate somebody with a passion because of the favor of God that's on their life, And you're trying to find something wrong with them and you can't find anything wrong with them to talk about or to criticize them about. But the Bible says that no good thing does he withhold from them whose walk is blameless and is upright. And that's who Daniel was. And so verse 5, these men finally said, well, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Well, they knew that Daniel was a man of prayer. And they knew that Daniel prayed to his God three times a day. And that Daniel was not ashamed of praying to his God because he would go up into his house, he would open up the windows, and he would pray to the God of Israel. And they said, well, if we're going to find anything against him, it's going to be in the area of his worship to his God. So they go back to Darius, and stay with me here for just a few more minutes. They go back to Darius, and they said, Darius, we think it would be good If you make a law, and it's a law of the the Medes and the Persians that cannot be changed and cannot be revoked, but that you make a law, king, that for the next 30 days, nobody can pray to any other god but to you, king, and to your gods. And Darius was like, sounds good to me. Made a law, put it in the law of the Medes and Persians. Daniel found out about that law. 
How do you think Daniel is going to respond? Because if anybody within those 30 days prayed to any other God other than the God of heaven, you know what the consequences were? They would be thrown into a den of lions. Now, for most Christians today, let me rephrase that. For most of us spoiled Christians today, we would do whatever it took to avoid being thrown into that den of lions. But let me show you what Daniel did. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And it said three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God. Look at this. Just as he had done before. Wasn't anything going to stop Daniel from doing what Daniel knew was right. He didn't care what kind of threats were against him. You say, well, shouldn't he have submitted to the authority of the king? Not when it contradicts what God demands us to do. Did you hear what I just said? What God tells us to do is always so much more important than what anybody else tells us to do. And I will never, as your pastor, I tell you, I will never disobey God to be politically correct with anything or anybody. And... And I'll be honest with you, I don't care where it ends up. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Somebody say amen to that. So he did just what he had done before. So they couldn't wait to get back to the king and said, King, we know you like the guy, Daniel, but he broke the law. He prayed to the God of heaven when nobody's supposed to pray for 30 days. Darius doesn't like it because he likes Daniel. And here's what he says to Daniel. He says, well, Daniel, perhaps your God will protect you. And can I tell you, God did just that. You know the story. I mean, most of us that grew up in church, we've heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den most all of our life. But the next day, the king runs to that den where Daniel was. And he says, are you okay down there, Daniel? And Daniel answered and said, may the king live forever. He said, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions that's the favor of God I'm telling you and he said they have not hurt me and notice what he said he said here's why because I was found innocent in his sight in God's sight but not only that he said nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty who is it that God doesn't withhold any good thing from, from them whose walk is blameless. And I'm telling you, every step of the way, Joseph made the right decision. Every step of the way, Daniel made the right choices. They did what was right even when there was pressure to do what was wrong. Even when there was a threat of death, they continued to do what was right. Even if it was a threat of losing their job if they didn't do what their boss told them to do. Listen, don't compromise your character Don't compromise your integrity for anybody or anything. Because what you're going to recognize, listen to me, what you're going to recognize is favor doesn't come from your boss and favor doesn't come from your people. But when you take a stand for what's right and you do what you know is right, God will favor you and God will promote you. Amen. Some people say, well, pastor, and and, and even some theologians say, well, you know, 
probably what happened here is the, the, the lions had been well fed and, you know, they were old lions, you know, didn't have much teeth to begin with. They probably were not, were not very hungry, but, 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 but hold on just a minute. You got to keep reading the story because at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and they were thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what happens to somebody who don't have the favor of God on their life. So don't tell me that they were just toothless lions with no appetite because we see what happened when the others were thrown into that lion's den. But then I want you to notice how this story plays out. The king, Darius, said, I issue today a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. You see, favor is all about glorifying God. Favor is all about getting the glory on God. Favor is all about getting the focus on him. Oh, yes. He said, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. And then he goes on and he says this in the next verse. Guys, you may have to help me because we're locking up. We're not going to let the devil lock us up right here. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's den. That's favor. And oh, I could preach right there for a little while. But I just don't have the time. But notice how chapter 6 ends. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Come on, help me close, team. So God favored him with King Nebuchadnezzar. God favored him with Belshazzar. God favored him with Darius. And now God favors him with Cyrus, the one who is over all the kingdom. Now listen to me. Do you think for a moment that that is maybe the reason God had Daniel in the kingdom to begin with? Do you think for a moment that that's the reason why God favored Daniel and had him in the kingdom for such a time as this? Why? Why the favor of God on Daniel? Because Daniel would influence Cyrus, the king, by going to him. And Cyrus loved Daniel. And the favor of God was on Daniel. So, so Daniel would go to Cyrus and say, Cyrus, why don't you let these Jews that you took captive, why don't you let them go back to Israel and rebuild their temple? And you know what happened? Cyrus did that. Cyrus the Persian. He was the one who gave permission for those Jews who had been captive for hundreds of years to go back to their homeland and begin to rebuild. That might have never happened if Daniel hadn't been in the kingdom for such a time as this. Oh, but this is even better. You got to hear this. Cyrus the Persian paid for the temple to be rebuilt that's favor that's favor 
When God can take a pagan, worldly, Persian, Babylonian king and say, I'm going to use your resources to rebuild my temple. You tore it down, you're going to build it back. Favor. Favor. But not only that, there's still more. Cyrus takes every article of silver and gold that had been stolen from the house of the Lord. He takes it out of the temple of his gods back to Jerusalem and puts it back in the house of the Lord. Because let me tell you what favor does. Favor will give you back what the enemy has taken away from you. Stand up on your feet and let's give God a praise in this room here this morning. Thank God for the favor on your life today. Come on, church, praise Him. Thank Him. <laughs> Hallelujah! 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 Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.